How are we doing guys? Welcome to Fit Food Radio. This is episode 131 and it's me, Matt Whitmore, with the absolutely stunning Keris Marsden. How are you? I'm good. You? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So Keris, what's going on in your world? The world of Keris Marsden. What's going on in my world? Mm. Drop down a gear in my world. It's quite nice in my world at the moment. Quite enjoying it, aren't you? I am. I'm going a little bit of a slower pace, enjoying my training, strength training, enjoying my nutrition. Which is pretty good considering. What? Well, you're pretty much eating the same thing all the time right now. Well, you say that, but I've got more... I don't think I've actually got more diversity because I have to rotate all my proteins and things because I'm so limited in the amount I can eat because my gut kicks off if I eat too much that I have to make sure what I eat is really nutritious and I'm kind of conscious of not overthinking it but I'm like have I got enough omega-3s into my nutrition mm. this week and have I got enough iron so sometimes it's a bit of steak then it's a bit of sardines so where I'm limited as you just quite rightly pointed out is that I can't have a cake and a biscuit or anything so yeah, yeah. <laughs> sucks to be you dude <laughs> do you know Checking. what I, I met some friends the other day and it was really interesting because I said on the podcast previously with me not being too well now I'm like working and kind of resuming normal life but if I go out there's a good chance I won't be able to eat anything and yeah. have to drink peppermint tea so <laughs> I really do choose my company wisely and you get these invites and I'm like it's weird I'm like I really want to go and see that person and hang out and I went to meet uh, one of my first clients actually came to London from Australia and I absolutely adored training him and met up with him and he had three friends who I've not met before and his partner and we were in a, a chocolate shop, would you believe? And they were all having like hot chocolates and things like that. But I was genuinely loving just being there. Just the company. And what I said to so them was, should be. But when you have your, this is what we're going to talk about in the podcast today, your kind of escapes and your comforts taken away from you. So mine would be things like food or work or, you know, like a commitments to work. And you'd even say like a coffee and alcohol as well at times because I'd be like yeah I'm going to have a glass of wine I'll relax and stuff when you've got all of that you don't really think about the company or you know you can spend time with people who maybe you don't enjoy it that much but you enjoy the other things about that situation like maybe the wine for example whereas because I've had all of that taken away I've got to really think about being present in the moment being really mindful listening to conversations there's just no distraction from my entire life at the moment Mm. so if it's a work thing that I have to do a request for a client to work with me I have to think about whether I enjoy that process otherwise I don't do it because I've got no I've got limited escapes now (laughs) I can't go and (laughs) just drown my sorrows in chocolate at any point if that makes sense so it is making me much more I'm just much more connected with what I actually want to do for the first time in a long time, I think. I'm not, I can't be a yes person anymore. I can't please everybody. I so I have to really be considered with my, you know, what I say yes to. And so it has been, and I keep saying to you, I'm like, this has been life-changing for me. And this is a bit weird. And I said this to my herbalist the other day. I'm working with a herbalist and making great progress. And I said to her, I'm almost scared to get well because I'm a bit nervous that I'll go back to what I used to be like. Yeah. But I can't do that. And actually, I think this is why my symptoms, I've just got a tiny bit of like lingering symptom that stops me. And if I do work too hard or even kind of rush my food, the biggest thing is rushing my food. Mm. It literally hits me almost straight away. So my entire body is like, slow the feck down. And I, think- lo- I love that you say feck. <laughs> Just because we're recording a podcast. <laughs> some people get offended and some people listen in the car. I've said that before. With kids. Yeah. This is true. But I bet they've said the word in front of their kids. <laughs> well, yeah. Without realising. Oh, flops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fiddlesticks. <laughs> That's the best one. But we, what we wanted to speak about on the podcast today was that really. We, we, we thought about calling it addiction. But I think addiction is quite a loaded word that actually scares some people and it it can be a really scary thing to admit that you're addicted I think I've openly said on the podcast I think you've openly said we both have our addictions or attachments we might want to call I was going to say coping mechanisms yeah I I think it's often a a figure of speech that isn't actually that accurate you know like when someone says oh I'm addicted to chocolate it's like well it's a figure of speech isn't it where you've kind of exaggerated the fact that you really like chocolate you're not addicted you know, you don't start going completely do lally if you don't happen to have it one day. Yeah, you don't get withdrawals. Or... Yeah, exactly. And and so I think it's that's why I, I when we were talking about it, I was like, well, no, I don't think we should call it addiction, but like you just said, more so coping mechanisms and 
But um, I think it, it is all the same thing happening on a scale. So at the very, at the one oh, end, you could call it addiction when it becomes substance abuse and gambling. Or the definition, the exact definition of addiction is when you continue to do something despite knowing that, the, that it will have a negative outcome. Yeah. And it's like the pain of stopping basically isn't great enough. Uh, you know you want to kind of stay stay there yeah but yeah basically it's, it's you know there's going to be some kind of negative consequence but you continue to perform the action over and over again yeah but to be fair people do this i think on a moderate level with things like caffeine so you'll see people say i am a terrible sleeper and i suffer from anxiety yet they can't give up coffee which is going to be driving that just on a mod you know a moderate level i'm not saying it's the main mm. cause but it's certainly not helping but they can't give it up and the same thing can happen, you know, with alcohol. It can be that you slip into, I'm a really bad sleeper and I feel really groggy in the morning, but there's no way you're taking my glasses of wine off me when I get home from work. I'm not mm. an alcoholic. I stop at two, but it still doesn't make them feel good. And they know that the two are linked in right. that sense that the alcohol disrupts the sleep, but they can't give it up. And mm. I think you're seeing these kind of, what I would say that they're almost like minor addictions or you might want to call them attachments that are kind of increasing. And it's because I think it's a kind of combination of, the environments that we're in and the kind of the amount of pressure and stress we're under and information that we're exposed to and the fast pace of lifestyle is making mm -hmm. us just crave comfort a yeah. lot more but also it's the accessibility of it it's just there in front of us all the time and the the kind of brain chemical that we talk about with addiction is dopamine yeah and so we're just in this society that's kind of around every corner is is your it's something to look forward to and something that's going to surge your dopamine but there's probably a good chance you can get your hands on it and that means that your need to have it or more of it is getting bigger because you're not getting the same high anymore because remember mm. it surges as we're anticipating it yeah and so if you think about you know you on your way to get a coffee it's kind of surging and surging but now you're on like a quadruple espresso because it doesn't have the same effect as just one espresso you know so but then there's another coffee shop around the corner that you could start thinking about once you've like got to yeah. the very bottom of your cup and go should we go there and i'll get another coffee you know it's all yeah, yeah. like and i think we're falling into this habit of that being our entire day and and the hormones that would counter it like serotonin that makes you feel satisfied and content are plummeting because of again stress because of gut dysfunction so we know that a lot of serotonin is made in the gut and affects our entire nervous system so there's a lot of areas of the body that are struggling and therefore the kind of the main driver of our lifestyle is that dopamine that dopamine hit yeah and i think as well like we often we have these things that let's be honest make us feel good so having a few drinks makes you feel good enjoying that cup of coffee makes you feel good food of course we know makes you feel good yeah hence the reason why i think a lot of people do seek comfort from food <laughs> me being one of them but i also think as well often we do these things as a bit of a reward if you like or like you say just oh you know i've been busy all day i'm just going to treat myself to a couple of biscuits with a cup of tea and just have a little break or something like that yeah because what you're wanting is that little bit of comfort but over time it's quite easy for that to no longer be something that's a comfort to you but is actually very much just now part of your routine yeah it's now just something you do yeah i think i've discussed this on the podcast before about a client that i used to have when i was working in covent garden who used to buy two of those little bottles of wine you know that's i suppose the equivalent of a glass in each little bottle yeah to have on the train home and he openly said to me at first it used to be well that's my reward i've worked hard all day you know yeah. i'd like to have a couple of glasses of wine on the train on the way home to unwind and and this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, actually, do you need to do that to reward yourself? Probably not. But what started as a reward is now a routine. Yeah. Because Monday to Friday, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. It's also, it's like a habit now. And it's all, but yeah. it's, it's a habit that you can't break. Yeah. And, so, and like you said, you, you know, he, he would find himself looking forward to it. Like, oh, well, you know, it's yeah. home time now. Going to get my wine, sit on the train, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's also the same for you're about to meet a certain group of people to socialize and it's like you'll associate that group of people with either it might be it could be training for example you know you're going to only get, meet those people at the gym which means you're going to train which might not be the best thing for you that day but that's the association that you have or it might mm -hmm. be drinking or it might be recreational drugs you know it goes and then this is how those types of things can sometimes scale out of control because the other areas of your life aren't aren't you know kind of what they should be and you almost lose you lose the kind of competency 
over that draw from, mm-hmm. from the, the reward, the dopamine, that, that side of things. So I think it's really helpful to to kind of notice that you... And what I'd also say is we cherry pick. We've often talked about this, that if we go back to calling it addiction, for example, because you can have struggles with, with sugar and, and food, like you've just said, and you, it, you can feel like it's an addiction. And I was asked a, a presentation recently doing some corporate work and someone said can you be addicted to sugar and I think this person was genuinely asking from a place where they were struggling to stop binging pretty mm. much binging is associated with dopamine and some problems with not I don't want to say problems with dopamine regulation but you'll get a surge thinking about having a binge a mm. surge of dopamine and then you obviously have that food and it lights up all the reward receptors in the brain but then you'll have this massive crash of guilt and remorse because mm. you know deep down that and this is with anything it won't be when you hit the alcohol or the anything you, you then get this kind of like oh my god what have I done and then you experience negative consequences but then you go back again and do yeah. it again and that is when you start to think about okay this is now seeming like it fits the definition of addiction but then when I mentioned we can cherry pick it's because I could have said to you I will hold my hands up to being addicted to running and what I'll do is kind of fall into that you know just get up set the alarm really early head out for a run love it but I could justify that because I've got clients who are addicted to recreational drugs, smoking, alcohol. So running, you know, early doors, what's, yeah. what's the problem with that? Yeah. But it, it becomes a problem when, you know, my reproductive hormones basically kind of flunk and yeah. my knees aren't feeling too hot. Yeah, I continue to run. And then my energy levels are crashing, like and my mood's going like roller coaster in and I'm like lashing out at you for no reason. But maybe it's because I got up at five, had a triple espresso and ran out the door. You know, like there's a good chance yeah. that that's the reason. But I can't, I have to... With all addictions, you'll cherry pick them and you'll you'll justify it and say, yeah, but it's okay. It's only coffee. I'm not doing any yeah. any harm. Yeah. But then, what I was just about to say, you ha- then you have to reach your pain point with it. Yeah. Really. I was about to say, yeah, like you said, there are scales to these things. And I think even as you were talking then, I was just thinking, what could we class as a coping mechanism? What could we class as an addiction? Because... I was kind of having a flashback then to when I was, and I don't know what word to use here, like, you know, I've spoken on on the podcast before when I used to be in a very bad place with my training. I had to train every single day. And if it wasn't football training, I was in the gym. And and as I've mentioned, I used to have this weird routine of doing three sets of 15 on every single machine in the gym, literally, followed by burning a thousand calories on the step machine. That was my standard workout. Every time... I never deviated. That was it. Just just to interrupt you on that and, and continue with the story. But oh, oh thanks very much. <laughs> no, OCD is kind of associated with dopamine as well. So dopamine does tend to create like obsessive compulsive. Hmm. So not only are you addicted to that behavior, you get very rigid about numbers yeah, and, and times was, and things like that. So I that makes rigid. sense. Sorry, carry on. But um, Well, thank you, Keras. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say was I, I got to that point where that was no longer in any shape or form enjoyable to me. And I would actually find myself beforehand being like, this is the last thing I want to do. You know, I'm not in the mindset. I'm absolutely shattered because by this point, you know, I wasn't in a great place with my nutrition. I'd gone to an extreme there as well. So it's like, can we call this an addiction? Because it wasn't something that I felt like I in any shape or form wanted to do. I, it, yeah. it wasn't I, it was a I need to yeah 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 so, so I suppose a, a doctor would look at you if you went to a doctor and said this is how I feel and this is what I'm doing a doctor would go oh you know get out a book maybe and go you kind of look like you have some kind of exercise addiction or you have an eating disorder or now we might call it orthorexia and the problem with that is what you're trying to do define the difference between addiction and a coping mechanism for me they're the same thing mm. because when you look at all the research that's been done on addiction it basically arises for what we've just talked about. Yes, there is that kind of, we've got dopamine and some of us are going to be better at countering that and making serotonin. We'll have maybe better genetics around brain chemistry generally and maybe mm. better lifestyle and support systems. And so we, we are able to kind of what, have what you think is kind of willpower, but it's not. You're just able to kind of be more balanced with your brain, you know, your neurotransmitters. But from the research that's been done on addiction, most of it is coming from whatever happens to you in your early years of life. And that's also in utero. So if a mum is stressed in pregnancy, then we know that the baby tends to develop, you know, a greater stress response, which means that you are then kind of more vulnerable to things like fear and anxiety. And that as a child, as a baby, as a toddler, especially if you don't have a 
parent or adults to help you through these processes, reassure you that everything's okay. And everyone goes through those times of life, but think about school where you might be bullied. Any situations, they say right up to the age of 18, but I think it's in your 20s as well. When many people go to universities, lots of things happen when you're kind of alone, away from family network support. And you develop these strategies to cope because the the actual emotions you're experiencing are too scared are too scary to to kind of work through mm-hmm. and you can't deal with them so a lot of the theories even about behavioral disorders attention deficit at the moment are that children are like this one because of the environment being too overstimulating and distracting but also because maybe they're not able to cope with emotions so they're kind of misbehaving and almost mm. acting out and being rebellious because they're, they're, there's no way for them to talk through what's really going on in yeah, their yeah. mind and then as i've just said and this is also coming from lots of antibiotics and things like that we know are kind of just driving this process so then you're maybe not getting the serotonin and other stuff and kind of got some we could say dysbiosis when there's not enough good bacteria and things like that will will just make you more susceptible to it but mm. i generally think many of these things are coping mechanisms and it really helps to reflect back and say, okay, well, what was the situation at that time? What might have been what's called the trigger? I always run through this with a client because often I sometimes look at their health questionnaire and I'll look at their food diary and it's so obvious what needs to change, but they also know what needs to change, but where they need help with is that process of change. And there's lots of things out there like NLP or you could have life coaching maybe, but it's not always that you need that. Isn't that what NLP is? Neuro linguistic program, maybe. I don't know if you call it the same thing. I don't okay. know. Not all life coaches, okay. so I don't know. But anyway, someone who can talk you through a process of change and, and how you kind of rewire your thoughts and things like that. But I'm not even sure that you need an external coach always to do that. I think sometimes you might need to go and have, it, it can be counselling or just some degree of reflection mm. where you sit there and realise that actually those things that happened to you changed how you thought and the conversations that you had with yourself. Yeah. And your coping mechanism has been to like drown it all out with running or work, get mm. your laptop open, overcommit, over socialise. We see this a lot, don't we? We're like, why is so-and-so committed to like 25 things this week? Like, I, I'm exhausted just looking at We have friends that just fill their diary every night. And then one of my friends I asked outright once. How? And she said, I don't like being at home on my own. That was yeah. her answer. Yeah. And whereas I love being at home, I'm like, give yeah. me a night in on my yeah. own. Can't get enough of it. Yeah. But that's interesting because that will have come from somewhere, that, that element of like fear of loneliness, you know. Yeah. And another thing I often see is people talk about habits like, cleaning and keeping busy and making sure everyone in the house needs are met those types of things they're all almost kind of escaping your own needs at that time you don't want to deal with your needs or yeah. address them so you, you just focus on other people and the thing about that is that will always manifest often as illness as both you and I have found out at times where we've kind of you know been focused on our business been focused on our clients helping our family and then suddenly it's kind of like that digestive problem spirals a little bit or that lower back pain gets a bit more chronic or yeah. suddenly your skin is going, I'm not too happy or your neck is all tight and tense. So your body kind of like starts calling out and going, hey, up, you know, where's that mobility session that I needed? You know, yeah. where's that Where's that relief from? But, but, but do you not think like now a lot of the coping mechanisms, if you will, that people tend to have, like it's, I don't know, it's well, phone is one everyone mm-hmm. just flips open the phone no, but what i was going to say was is like for a lot of people you know you, let's go back to exercise right because i think this is something that i probably see maybe even more of compared to the nutrition side of things yeah and people use exercise as an escape and it's a great escape you know if you if you enjoy your training and you, you're running your gym whatever it is like for me like it's quality me time yeah it's me i don't look at my phone i don't listen to music when I train, which some people are like, I can never do that. But for me, it's like, it's just me, it's my thoughts and I lift weights and I do my thing and, and I love that. And gone are the days where I felt as though I've needed to go to the gym to counterbalance a binge yeah. of some sort. Now, you know, I'm in a very, very good place with it, but it has taken time. But what I'm trying to say is, is that for a lot of people, exercise is a coping mechanism but at the same time, it's also a bit of a, a punishment yeah, yeah, to almost try to outdo 
I suppose, equally a, another form of punishment in a way. Like it's, yeah, yeah. you know, like cycles, but you mean like overeat and then punish. Yeah, overeat, punish. overdrink. And yeah, then it's yeah. like, oh yeah, my definitely. God, you know, I'm, I'm, in fact, somebody used this terminology in, in the other day and it was like, I'm, I'm absolutely disgusted with myself. Like I've, no, I've disgraced myself. And it's like, you just ate too much. You haven't hurt anyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you haven't broken any laws. But th- these are the words we use, you know, like dis- disgusted, disgraced. But you, you've really uh, hit the nail on the head there because the cycle... Bang. Yeah, the cycle of addiction. I'm going to keep calling it addiction. You're going to keep calling it coping okay. mechanisms. Same, same, but different. <laughs> yeah. Is that kind of guilt really affects your mental and emotional health so much mm. that then you're vulnerable to need another hit. Yeah. So it's almost like the next day you can't bear to be you, so you need to escape again. Mm. In comes the addiction slash coping mechanism again. Mm. And this is how, like you've said, it can be that you're flipping between different types of addictions. It can be that you're, we've mentioned kind of binging, but, you know, kind of starving yourself. Eating disorders are a form of, it's 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 essentially you're taking back what you feel to be control of a situation that mm. you didn't have control of, but it's not really it's just your coping mechanism for it and i think you know that's what lots of people don't realize and i think the real kind of the heartbreaking thing about it and the first thing i say to people when i'm working with them is please stop giving yourself like that hard time please stop feeling guilty it's Mm. not your fault because you're doing this as a protective mechanism and your brain's doing it because of something that's happened in your past and this is the habit that you've developed to be able to cope there we go i'm mixing them now Ooh, it's a hybrid now. <laughs> so, can i just say though I, I just want to put put this out there because i don't want anyone thinking for a second that we're in any way trying to downplay addiction oh, no, what no. we're saying is is it comes in different shapes or f- and, and forms and and we are very very aware of this we've worked with people who have been alcoholics ex-drug addicts like we know the score yeah. like, I just want to put that out yeah, there because we've had family members suffer with addiction and seen it in its, in its yeah. worst form so yeah. we, we we both have been exposed to it we've seen and, and this is interesting because it kind of links back to that genetic component to it where people have clients have said to me is it in my genes you know and I've often thought you, you, you could you could look back at all the generations before you because many of them your mum smoked you know my dad's a workaholic there's, there's lots of addictions that we can see that you could then almost go, oh, it's in my genes, you know, it's like I'm, I, yeah. I'm hardwired to be this way. But understand that that you maybe just in some ways, it can be kind of learned behaviour, it could be that you were all dealing with a similar difficult situation. So you often see this in, in families where kind of maybe like low income and things like that, they'll, they'll all start behaving in the same way and develop various different addictions mm. or coping mechanisms and it will just go through the generations. But also understand that we're always mimicking repeating habits of our parents as well. Mm. And so one thing that I also really discourage people from doing is you'll often get this kind of like vitriolic sentence about my mother, you know, or my father, or, you know, like mm. this is because of them, because of one of the things that's quite powerful is we know that, the relationship between parents and children is very influential when it comes to addiction and, and oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. but so if there was a, a statement or if parents encourage you to work quite hard and now you you're, you're a workaholic it's very easy to look back and go my parents did this you know but understand that they were also conditioned in some way to do this and i think that's really important but, but, like give them a break because they were yeah when you're what's really interesting is when you're born I, I was reading this in a book the other day when you're born you love your body do you remember that yeah yeah you actually love your body and they, like if you watch a little toddler they love their kind of they get the little fermented bellies and they love squatting and they're just so generally they, they're yeah. usually very carefree they have no perception yeah. of what is beautiful exactly. and what is not and that that is part of the conditioning process the socialization that they begin to learn you're a boy you're a girl you're beautiful you're not beautiful you need to change that that like, yeah. you know and it's, it's such a sad I, I, like the dialogue really does need to change and we need to stop you and i could both say like from teens onwards people commented on our achievement our appearance and you know and it becomes your default dialogue with yourself you yeah know, this is nice this is an ugly bit of me i'm good because i did that but you know i've never really achieved that and you know it's like yeah yeah that's what you're living by and that came from people around you but it came from school as well and and employers it's not just from the family yeah but all of this kind of builds into your perception of yourself and then you really don't know who you are by the time you get to adulthood Mm. and that's why things like therapies can be really helpful for that because you can then actually just go and say all this stuff get it off your chest and realize that you just needed to work through some of that stuff 
yeah. and find out who you really were and go back to that little toddler that just loved everything about itself. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just... Cool, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> yeah. But it works both ways, doesn't it? Because, like, for example, your dad, who, you know, is like a self-confessed workaholic, even in retirement, he can't sit still. <laughs> but he was the opposite. It wasn't that his dad was a workaholic as such. No, it was no. because his, his dad, your granddad, went bankrupt. Yeah. And, and my your, dad said, I'll never... I will never be... I, will, I never want to put that on my family. I never want my family to struggle like we did because of that. Yeah. So it was almost the opposite caused your dad. It wasn't him yeah, following yeah. in the footsteps as such. It was... Uh, Interestingly, though, I remember... You can imagine the conversations that went on between my parents that were like, you're ruining the family because you never hear. You work yeah. all the hours, you work away. Do you know what I mean? So it's very interesting that we, we you could want for nothing as a family, but yeah. then there is that, that kind of absence. And, and I think my dad would be the first to say he lost his way and was just all about achievement, achievement and drive, climbing that career ladder yeah. and thought he was doing it for the greater good of his family. But actually... In, you know the marriage really creaked as a result of that so mm. that is you know addictions they can rule you like you know we've seen that again in clients family they really blur what's important and they come almost like the antithesis of mindfulness and that's why many people will turn to mindfulness and meditation as a solution to again reconnect with themselves and stop relying on the addictions or the habits to escape but the problem is when you're in full flight of addiction so think about me prior to the holiday where we had so much to do before the holiday. If you'd have once turned around to me and said, you need to meditate more, I'd have been looking at you with my quadruple espresso and 20 bags under my eyes and gone, what? <laughs> you know, like, Sorry, what? yeah, <laughs> there would be no getting through to me at that time. Like you could even compare me to my dad. Like I was like chasing that deadline, you know, mm. need to just get this done. But the problem is there was always another deadline. And, That's it, isn't it? and so I think, this is really why the sad part of it is it's almost like your body needs to shut down and say no for you at some point in time. No, you're just not going to continue down this yeah. path. And that's when you can start to make change. But do understand that you will probably relapse as well. And that's not me being, you know, negative. All of us, you'd be the first to say there are times I sit there and I eat way too much food and feel like I've, you know, I've kind of binged on that. Why have I done that? Or I've overtrained. Yours, I think you're so much more balanced now. And I think you are generally, yeah. Yeah. Now being the key word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then there are times when you've kind of, you know, said I've just eaten so much ice cream, I feel rubbish. I don't yeah. know why I did that. <laughs> but it's not like it you know, would have been in the past. And I think that the relapsing again is part of that. It's just a habit that's there. Mm. It's just, you, you're going to go back and then, but I think we've both kind of had things in the past that we felt real addictions. You know, like I would be the same as you, exercise and losing weight, those types of things that we've broken the cycle. But we broke the cycle by, without even knowing it, I'd say like you kind of reconnecting back to yourself, what you really wanted to do, being around the right people, support networks. You've never been through counselling or anything, have you? No, I was self-counselled. <laughs> No, but this is the thing, isn't it? In that, that do you not think that would ever work for you? Counselling, yeah, it, it wouldn't work for them <laughs> because they'd be like, "You don't bloody shut up." Time. <laughs> no, no. Like, Matt, I really must go. My my next appointment's here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, just one last thing. No, but because there needs to be a point to this discussion, right? There needs to be a what do we do about this? And I think. The answer is, well, there is no one answer because you just mentioned I I was in a really horrible place with my training and nutrition and, and, and not to kind of be all poor me, poor me, but I don't know that people truly understand like where I was with it. Like I, at one stage, like I absolutely, I hated, I hated my life because I felt like I was a prisoner to exercise and food, two things that I, I love them again now, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm in a good place. But in my head at the time, I was like, I've gone from loving training, loving my food, not really thinking much about it, just loving both of them and cracking on with life to all of a sudden eating hardly anything and absolutely annihilating myself in the gym because I felt I had to do it because I couldn't bear the thought of how I would feel if I didn't do it. So I was I was a prisoner. And to anyone at the time, it would have just been, oh, shut up, Matt. You know, oh, you don't go to the gym, big deal. Yeah. Or, or you have a bit of pizza, whatever. Like, you know, and 
in the grand scheme of things, it was true. It was true, and on reflection. Yeah, I, I think but at the time, you can't say that's like. Um, no, but what I'm saying is, it's now, yeah, but you're belittling what it was to you because it was yeah. controlling you, and so and having yeah. a negative effect on your health. Yeah, yeah oh, a very negative effect on my health. You know, I was getting I was getting colds all the time. Maybe I was, should actually just come to snuggle into Matt. Yeah. I think he's detecting he, the. He can sense the change in tone. Yeah, he's like he's so I'm... good. Maybe <laughs> like one of those. Um, what's it, dogs? Like a therapy dog. I was going to say, he's like a sniffer dog, but he can always smell like he cortisol. He, like, he, he just comes over and starts... Yeah. If you, yeah. if either of us ever argue or cry, he's there in seconds. Yeah, he's like, just come over to to comfort me. Yeah, basically nuzzled into your neck. Oh, bless him. But yeah, but at the time, you know, I was in a really dark place with it. And, and, and I think the hardest bit about that is honestly not having the first clue of how you're going to get out of it. But, because, sorry to cut you off, because of course... My mum had told me, you know, what she thinks I should do. My nan had told me what she thinks I should do. So far removed from their kind of lifestyle. Though, yeah, and, well. and to be fair, I didn't really seek advice anywhere else because I didn't really talk to anyone else about it. Yeah. You know, so they Which were... they the, say is the worst thing yeah. for the, the human brain is when you feel there's no one, to, no outlet for... Yeah, and I mean, want. don't get me wrong, I, 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 I felt I could speak to my mum and my nan, so that was one thing. Yeah. However, their response my mum was much more understanding I think than than my nan my mum was almost very much like you know mum would always be like do what you need to do because I think in her head she was like this is just a bit of a phase he's going through and the more of a drama I create about you know don't go to the gym today or you need to eat more food like she she almost knew that that wouldn't help and she was right whereas my nan was you know like my nan would say things like you're being stupid about this almost like I was choosing to be that way. Yeah. And I, and I was like, God, you have no idea. Like, I I, I wish, like, nothing else that, that yeah. I wasn't but this way. But that can way. be the, the conversation that goes on between any relationships, couples. It's kind of massive amounts of, I'm trying to understand you, but then, like, I resent you, I'm angry at you, and then it's kind of like, then you remind yourself, it's, it's almost, you know, often we'll, you say it's an illness I can't mm. judge this person if it was any other condition I'd be so understanding so it's kind of like the people around you go through this like roller coaster of like fear anxiety worry anger because you you're not thinking about their needs or, mm. or your own and then huge amount of guilt over like I was awful then I should never have said that would never say that to any other person mm. that was ill and this is an illness and it controls them so there is I think it creates a lot of conflict in those relationships and it often will lead to quite a lot of isolation because people feel I'm just going to withdraw because nobody understands. Yeah. And like you quite rightly said, it's all very well saying this, but but what do people do about it? And I think for me, it's this combination of reflection back. I mean, first of all, the, the thing that everybody needs to do is give themselves a break on this subject and go like, you're only doing this because yeah. of quite possibly your your experiences in life thus far things that have happened your conditioning possibly in genetics nutrient deficiencies can kind of figure because they help us make serotonin and all the other brain chemicals that would yeah, counter yeah. it and you can get if you're not eating a nutritious diet you're gonna start to experience like some level of cognitive dysfunction even mm. not balancing your blood sugars is going to do that you'll be like flipping between moods getting hangry those sorts of things so you know that is a key starting point is is like eating nutritious food have that moment of reflection about why might this be but then don't feel angry about it and don't Mm. go well I'm condemned you know because I did all the other thing I see quite frequently in kind of clinical practice is people who have quite hedonistic teenage years and early adult years and then decide you know there could be everything from smoking drinking alcohol so you know there's kind of that addictive tendency there and then it becomes in later years raw veganism orthorexia exercise and you know and like that's just you know to me you've just swapped one for another Mm -hmm. and you're still being it looks better on the surface that's what i said about you can always cherry pick it and go well you know this is much more acceptable when i go out on it yeah yeah but actually from the body's perspective it's still the same it's still restriction control stress reliance and that roller coaster of emotions so i think you really can't feel guilty about it and you can't blame yourself and whatever works for you in terms of it, it might be that a talking therapy, some people use emotional freedom technique, some people use something called EDMR, which is actually, I haven't even really looked into this yet, but Claire, our 
fit to be a mentor used it for on herself and, and yeah. very highly of it and it's very similar to emotional freedom technique but using some eye movement to work through emotional trauma that's happened to you in the past that you need to just kind of acknowledge yeah so i think there's, there's different things that might work for you in terms of actually going to to process that information yeah. and maybe what's quite hard is i often find with older generations like even parents to a certain extent i've talked to them and said would you ever consider going to speak to someone about how you how you deal with stress and anxiety and they're like no i'd just rather keep busy you know there's some generations that just are not going to go down that route but what they might get into is something like mindfulness and I will often say to people it doesn't need to be meditation if that doesn't feel familiar to you it can be that you just start switching off from technology doing a creative hobby a habit that you love anything that is we've said this on previous podcasts you not competing against yourself thinking about other people Mm -hmm. and kind of just supporting a break for the brain I think it's more powerful probably to do something a little bit more specific, you know, at times. But in terms of the other things, it helps to do an assessment of of your work environment, your relationships, the people you spend time with. Does there need to be change on that level? And I think what helps is looking at what could you do straight away, like practical stuff. Could you focus on eating a more nutritious diet? getting a sleep routine in place maybe things like magnesium and stuff to really help you fall asleep and stay asleep and a morning walk where you could actually have some headspace to get some clarity on what do I need to change do I need to go and work through my past or do I need to address my future do I need to look at my finances do I need to look at my marriage you know all of those different things and then you can start to just maybe tackle one thing and put some practical steps in place and in the meantime, those habits might continue. And, you know, maybe the symptoms are going to continue. So it's not going to be that anything happens overnight. But as you're gradually getting there, I think one thing that's made a huge difference to me, and I don't even know where it came from other than I just started, when I fell ill, I started watching loads of films. Yeah. <laughs> and I never do that. I never, like, well, I don't do it enough, like put my feet up and actually really give up and just engage in a film. And yeah. And one of my favourites, which I always recommend to clients and students, is Eat, Pray, Love. That I've watched it once and I watched it again. And there's just a scene where a speech about kind of meditating and she can't meditate. But he just tells her to stop trying to control her thoughts and yeah. just go, you know, wake up every day and just know that you can't control the day. And uh-huh. you just need to accept what's going to happen and open your mind. And, and then your kind of life will give you clues about what you should do. And I yeah. think I was really struggling to kind of you know, I was ill and I was like, I've kind of, I can't work and this is stressful. And I was, this is the kind of conversation that was going on. And then I got more accepting of the situation. I was like, okay, accept that you are ill and wake up each day and don't clutter your mind with what you think you need to do and control, but empty your mind. And so I, I'll go for a walk in the morning and just try and be like, let's just see what happens. And I would say since doing that, Every bit of work I've done, I've done some corporate talks, I've done some lectures, worked with some clients. I've loved every minute of it because I've actually walked in and gone, if this goes <laughs> belly up, I was going to say your phrase, which is a bit more, <laughs> you don't normally say belly up, but <laughs> <laughs> if this goes belly up, so what? Like really, yeah. so what? Yeah. It's like, and I think part of that was falling so ill and going through so many tests where people were like, this could be something very sinister. You know, it was a wake up call. It really was. Mm. It shouldn't have taken that for me, but it gave me perspective that I really did need to change. And even now, my lingering symptoms is just like, that's just me still kind of still wanting to do a certain amount of 100 miles an hour lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. But starting my day and going, let's just see what happens and not trying to control it. And obviously in what we do, there's also an element of like, you want to look after everybody else. You want to fix everybody else. And that in itself starts to gradually become exhausting so again one of the changes I've made is like I want to have clients a small group of clients that I focus on specifically I want to work work more from home so it's a nicer environment I've got Hamish next to me like I've started changing everything and putting in place what I see to be a bit more of a supportive environment but I probably might not have made those changes if this hadn't happened to me well no but like you say like sometimes everyone needs to kind of reach their their pain point yeah, that, that is a true it. catalyst for change, you know, and some people never reach it. Some people do, and you can see it as a blessing in disguise, yeah. which I think has been the case with, with you for sure. 
But um, it's helped me observe you, though. And I corrected you this week where you were really frustrated because you'll get up really early, you have clients, but sometimes you might get stuck in traffic and your to-do list gets derailed. And we're yeah. running a business, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. And I heard you going, I just need to step up. Like, I'm really frustrated. And I, I, I said to you, you can't talk to yourself like that because you've stepped up for the last 10 years. I don't know anyone that has not stepped up like you've stepped up that's really bad english <laughs> i don't even know that made sense I don't know either. but i think i know what you mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you show up every day and you do something every day to help someone and you've been you've struggled with the transition onto technology because you've always loved human interaction working mm. with people in person you've always been gym based we went online to reach more people but you'd be the first to say oh, I find technology really hard. I'm not sure I like it. I'm not like, yeah. it, it, it feels overwhelming, but you are still here. And I say, <laughs> I don't know how long we've been online, like over six years later, but 10 years running a business, rest. which is hard now because it's getting more and more kind of fast paced and, you know, competitive. And, and, and we're still here and we still stand by our values and we've never compromised on those. And you have stepped up every day, but I hear you talk to yourself sometimes. And that's only because I've stopped talking to myself like that. that mm. I'm like, wait a minute you're doing it as well (laughs) you know yeah and it's easily done though isn't it because i think we're all better at giving ourselves a hard time than we are bigging ourselves up yeah yeah and uh, i was having this conversation with a client the other day who was saying how and and we do this sometimes we're like you know like my client had gone like you know i don't mean this in an arrogant way but i'm really liking how my arms are looking at the minute Yeah, yeah and i was like why did you feel the need to to apologize almost yeah, yeah apologize yeah. and say like oh you know like you know don't think I'm arrogant for saying this like what why has it become that you know to where it's almost like we can't like a part of our body yeah, without yeah. almost putting a disclaimer out there beforehand yeah. that I'm not arrogant I don't love myself and it's all like, well, you should love yourself yeah, and yeah. what's wrong with being bloody happy with your arms or your yeah. legs or your bum or whatever yeah you know what is wrong with that but that's where we're kind of at now it's like all disclaimer yeah just so no one thinks like i'm a it's very interesting you say that because it's almost become very hard in this environment of kind of body consciousness body image as well to be there's just so many extremes around it all to be body positive you can be body positive as someone who's curvy and you can be body positive as somebody who is muscular and someone who's slim and Mm. i think it all that you know it should be that they kind of I mean, for me, I do think the dialogue needs to change a little bit and that we need to stop commenting so much on physiques and a little bit more on kind of just wonderful energies that that individuals have or like personality traits and time that you give up and stuff. Why has it always got to be? But you're right in that one of the things I've done since I've been off sick is go back to just doing basic body weight training it's all yeah. i can do i can't do any cardio any conditioning but i wanted to do, i started off doing mobility and then i was like i want to do more body weight stuff i did this years ago and i used to love it it's yeah. so slow and mindful and as i'm seeing my strength increase and i'm like oh i've got biceps again because yeah. i lost everything when oh, i was hey. ill but it's nice and i'm really <laughs> where, pr- where you been i'm proud of them like i lost so much weight when i was ill and i was just like oh i'd felt really kind of weak and vulnerable and it's like now i've just got strength pack and i'm really proud of that but i like i've every single not not i mean it's, it's not that i you've seen me do this it's not that i even do set reps or anything i just move each day yeah or we've got a pull-up bar over the door which i've been loving yeah. and i'll hang on it because it's great for my posture and and things as well so but i feel really positive about all of that but yeah it would look a bit weird to go online and go i'm loving the guns like yeah. <laughs> so check me out <laughs> but yeah just on that subject of self-love i think one of the biggest problems with addictions and coping is people are so hard on themselves. Yeah, and I think yeah. self-love does not need to be that we start... Again, there's a trend on media now for like taking all your clothes off and going, I love yeah. every bit of me. Like, you will never see my bunions on yeah. Instagram. Like, I was going <laughs> to say, like, e- even that, you know, <laughs> even that I'm getting a bit bored of now, to be quite, to be quite honest with you. But we, we say that it doesn't. you don't need to love every bit of your body either. Like you do. Yeah. Why, why do we need to... But also as well, for example, I'm happy with how I look. I, I, I will take my top off on the beach with confidence, yeah. right? Because I know I've got a decent physique and you know what? I bloody worked hard for it. That doesn't mean I'm not striving for improvements. Yeah. doesn't mean there's part of me that I'm like, you know, I want to get my legs a little bit bigger or actually I want my shoulders to be a little bit bigger. Do you, do you know what I mean? You don't, like, do you? Huh? You don't want your shoulders to be any bigger. Well, you know, yeah, from, from, from the front, want to look a little bit more roundness on the shoulders you there. You're joking. No. You but, must... the, but, but that doesn't mean I'm not happy with what I've got. Right. 
but my point is it's like it's okay to to not be happy with where you're at but it doesn't mean you don't love your body you see yeah, what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. does that yeah. make sense do you really want bigger shoulders well i'm just like what just, the, just a what little the bit, heck just a little bit but but i'm not bothered if it doesn't happen yeah, yeah but it's good to have something to aim for but from but you know flip that i also want a better squat you know, and I'd, I'd much rather have a stronger squat than bigger legs. Right. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the performance goal would outweigh the aesthetic goal. Yeah. Because if anyone even dissed my legs, I'd be like, yeah, but what are you squatting, bro? Right, yeah. Check yeah. me out. 200 kilos, wallop. One uh, day. I'm the other way around. One day I'll like, get there. I'm, I'm like, I just want to... Just- the ten pull-ups and the pistols, that's all I want. Yeah, but that's because you've that's like a nice performance goal because yeah, yeah. you're 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 happy with where you are aesthetically to a degree. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all have our days and I think it's okay. We don't need to make a big deal out of that. But, because if someone says, Do you know what I don't like how my stomach looks, I want to lose weight, the last thing you need is someone going, Oh, you just need to love your body, embrace your curves. It's like, no, no, but I'm not happy with it and I want to change it. And it's and for me I'm like, that's fine. Let that person be unhappy with it, but achieve fat loss or weight loss or whatever through a healthy means that doesn't involve punishing yourself through depriving yourself on a nutrition level, spending an absolute age in the gym. Like, I'm not trying to... It's hard because I think on the one hand, I said earlier, like the dialogue needs to change because I think the people out there that are... Yeah, yeah, but but let me finish. That are vulnerable to this are probably don't need to change so you have a lot of people yeah. who already are you know probably maybe underweight and things like that and they are now striving for more perfection so that's that's when it's kind of those individuals maybe have lost their way and it's mm-hmm. getting become addiction and then you've got other people who are kind of developing like shame about their body and and that's sending them into cycles of kind of binging and dieting and binging and dieting and that again is is that's addictive behavior escaping all of those kind of things are kind of featuring there but so I think there's elements to which the the self-love conversation, like you said, we need this kind of middle ground where you don't need to love your body. You don't need to love every bit of it. I think an acceptance is almost a little bit like, yeah, like people say, I've got, I'm doing body acceptance, but sometimes I feel like they don't really truly accept it. Because no. like you just said, they accept it, but actually they really still strive for change. But what I want to say is I think the, the term self-love like you said, we're still talking about the physical. I really think it needs to start with the kind of mental, emotional. And you. and the physical is just part and parcel of your, your daily movement just has to happen. Your immune system needs it. You need it. Like the body needs it. But, but it's like, almost a natural knock-on effect, isn't it? In terms of if you can get your head in a better place, yeah. then the... Everything gets more balanced. The nutrition, the training. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, almost yeah. like a more of a natural knock-on effect. But with the mindset side of things, I suppose, and this has been one of my frustrations, is what liberated me was, and I, I, I will still fall into habits. I'm not, like, I think all of us are going to be like that. You're always going to be vulnerable to your, your addictions, your coping mechanisms. But what liberated me was learning about my body and mm. learning about my hormones, my immune system. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching it. What I struggle with at the moment is people are saying to me, can I have a two minute video on this? I struggle with that because I think self-love is educating yourself. Mm. Self-love is turning up to a workshop. We flew all over the world to train with the best trainers when we were personal trainers. And when I met my client the other day, he was like, you guys were always off learning about, you know, like musculoskeletal system or how to use a kettlebell, how to use a war machine. Like we did, didn't we? And, yeah. and we loved it. And to us, that was kind of like investing in our passion, what we wanted to do, what we wanted to teach. And so when you, you stood in front of a class, you felt you know, confident in what you were doing and we practiced it as well. And I think the same thing needs to start happening now is people need to stop flitting about on like wanting two minute and two second videos on this, that and the other. And actually to truly connect with who you Mm. are, you need to almost slow your life down, slow everything down, get rid of the distraction and educate yourself. And it's why we built our membership site and I've filled it with loads and loads of videos and I hope people engage with them. I really do because... That to me, and, and we're going to run more workshops next year. We've said yeah, this, we're like, yeah. we want to get out there, meet people, teach them how to move their body, how to use a kettlebell, but also how to understand your brain, your mind, why you crave these things, why you fall into these habits. Yeah. And then where do you go from there? You know, like, how do you build that process back to a more balanced lifestyle? But we need to stop thinking that we can achieve it in 30 days or 
my two minutes because it and I know there's room for that like I know other practitioners are out there doing like quick and dirty on this but I just feel what you do then is you cherry pick the information yeah. of what you know you could probably achieve and when you look at the kind of nutrition and fitness industry right now it's all about it's still about weight loss and it's still about calories and yes it's relevant but crikey is that message not like wrecked lives in the past you know mm. what I mean it, and, and so what we're trying to do is bring people back to like a mixture of all of it yes you need a calorie awareness but for some people they do and we said that in the last podcast they do not need to be focusing on calories right now they have got bigger fish to fry and so i think it is that yeah well it's almost like they do need to be focusing on it but it shouldn't be the primary focus because there's already a cycle of dieting yeah there's there's a there's a something else going on that we need to address from a from a mindset perspective from an overall lifestyle perspective that's probably having a big impact on the amount of calories that you are consuming yeah and this is a big thing that you know i'm focusing on at the moment in terms of like the the content that that i want to put out there in on the line is that you know it's of course calories matter we know this but why are we choosing to eat too much why are we overeating why are we binging it doesn't someone doesn't just go oh god oh it's a cracking day for a binge you know you know what's in the fridge you know it's it's normally it comes from something else something has triggered that behavior yeah and like i said you're this is coming from a a self-confessed binge eater who now is in a much better place with it much much better place with it it still happens from time to time i do still have those moments when i'm like you know what where's the bottle of whiskey and I'll have a couple of whiskeys, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, and because it's a bit of a coping mechanism for me and I'll maybe drink a few more than I intended because it just makes me feel good and, and that's that. But then I draw a line under it and I'm like, tomorrow's another day. You know, I'm very good now. At, it doesn't carry on. Yeah. You know, like, like like it used to. Just on that subject as well, I think one of the problems that's happening at the moment, I, I kind of see this happening with most individuals trying to help like a partner or they're trying to help their children or their parents and the more we're learning about health the more people are getting very fearful and panicky about oh my goodness if my children continue to eat these foods they're going to get really sick if my parents continue to take these medications so the kind of populations I tend to work with will often come to me and say can you help me with this my parents have got this heart disease whatever it might be and I think you can see this kind of atmosphere of fear that's going on and I think Again, what I will often do with lots of clients are kind of booking in with me to help somebody else. And I will often say to them, like, this is kind of not your role. Mm. You could provide some materials. You could actually book them in to work with a a professional, which is probably better not coming from a member of the family. And you could lead by example. And when I say lead by example, it doesn't mean that you, you know, kind of take an Instagram photo of your breakfast every day and send Mm. it to them. or But that you start to say... I'm going for a walk today to help with stress levels or I'm not going to let that bother me today or, you know, I'm just going to... When they start to get manic or stressed or, or negative and, and kind of bitchy about stuff, you, you sit there and say, I don't really want to talk about that right now. And you can flip conversations that you're having with people around you and rather than fuel the panic, you can you can halt it in, mm. in progress. And with you, this is kind of where I need to get to because I almost try to control you. Like, mm. a, like I try to control my thoughts. And before anyone kind of jumps to conclusions, I mean, as in I want to control your health. Yeah. So if I see, if you say you're tired or if you say, oh, I've got my Olympic athlete's foot is back. I yeah. think like I, I used to jump online and start ordering all of these like herbal foot baths. Like, what, what are you ordering now? Yeah, it's all arriving. And then I'm like, why haven't you done that? I haven't got time to shower, let alone have a bath. (laughs) And I've realised I need to step back from that and do my thing. And hopefully you will decide at some point what you want to do to address your feedback. No, yeah, and and that that has been a place that... And I know that, I know your intentions are good. Do you know what I mean? Like you... You love me. Yeah. And you care about me. It's hard. I have to, there's been a few times where I've gone, I'm not going to say any more about this. Yeah, but you can't help it. You, <laughs> I'm you not can't help it. You're getting better, though, I have to say. Yeah, of course. No, of course I am. But, but you know not, what? It's hey, not my place to say that, though. Life's a journey. I'm doing it again. Life's a journey. And, and it's not my place to say it because this is your journey. Right, cool. And I have to. Well, shush. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, I just, we're moving on now. I just. Your, your nutrition is very good at the moment. Well, thanks very much for noticing, Keris. <laughs> I really appreciate it. 
gold star. No, but I, I suppose I want to close off with like we've we've had a it's been a nice discussion. This I like it. I like these discussion based ones. I like do it. you? Yeah, I do. Hopefully, you guys do as well. Well, it was informative as well. But I think for me, like with some kind of takeaway tips, if you are listening to this and you you can relate to some of the stuff that we've been talking about, whether it is using exercise, food, both alcohol as some kind of a coping mechanism my biggest advice would be don't automatically think you need some kind of therapy in some shape or form. you might do i'm not saying it's a bad thing but i'm someone who got through it without going down that route and the biggest thing for me was just a talking to people b trying my very best to maintain an open mind and also i suppose gaining clarity on what it was that I really truly wanted to achieve because for me my goal was to build muscle get strong and look good quite simply so when I read an article in a magazine from a coach well-respected strength coach called Ian King unbeknown to me at the time wasn't the guy who was on the front cover of Men's Health (laughs) but I was a kid I was a teenager so I was easily led so to speak I was like oh wow this guy who's on the front of you looks amazing that's Ian King and he he in this article it said that I should be doing the complete opposite to what I had been doing so I was like wow all this time I've been going to this extreme thinking this is what I needed to do to achieve the result that I wanted but this guy who's an expert and looks amazing he didn't turns out he's a middle-aged man (laughs) (laughs) was like no no you need to do the opposite if you want to achieve this and I bought into that it's so the power of education empowerment. Though, education, yeah. seeking advice maybe for, from someone of influence, whoever experience that may be, well. and experience, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is why, you know, now I do feel like I am in a good position to help people. So if you are out there, please, please get in touch. You know, I, I genuinely want to help you. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that because I want you as a client necessarily. Even if it's just a chat on the phone, we can meet for coffee maybe exchange a few emails just to discuss this because I've been there. I've been there and it was bloody horrible. And I'm very proud to say that I've got through it now. And I just feel that I want you guys to know that there's help out there and people do want to listen and people do understand me being one of them. I suppose the only thing I want to add to that is is what's made a huge difference to me is just stop trying to kind of control all the time and that's control thoughts control your day and think that you are the center of the universe not that I ever did but unbeknowingly that was how I was like leading my day I was kind of like what does everybody need to do you know and and it was all down to me and I was taking on all those burdens and now I've kind of stopped all that and said I'm just going to see what the day wants me to do and I'm just going to open my mind and look for clues and curious what you're doing I'm just seeing what the day wants me to do It's just not, in the it's woods. She's not sent me any signals yet, so I'm just going to carry on watching TV. <laughs> yeah, <imagine. laughs> I'll get there soon. Okay. I'm sure it'll throw me aside at some point, but for now. <laughs> and one thing that's helped with that is just two things, actually, being out in nature or being somewhere slightly historical, which I've always loved because when you go to places of history, castles, or we were out in London near Tower Bridge the other day and I think this existed before me, it mm. exists after me. I really like the, there is something greater than me that I just need to listen to right now and it's gonna it's gonna tell me what I should be doing. And it's been like a, a bit it's a massive relief. And it's yeah, that's what I want to add. And last thing, you <laughs> mentioned about, you know, focusing on kind of like what you can control and what you can't control yeah and you mentioned earlier that i'd sometimes get really wound up if i got stuck in traffic yeah, yeah. and then i'm like it was straight away i'm like oh this is shortening my window to crack on with my to-do list yeah, and yeah. and i'd get really irritated by it but then but the reality is i can't control the traffic no. as nice as that would be so therefore i need to almost go do you know what i'm in traffic a bit irritating but this is out of my control i need to adapt accordingly and not give myself a hard time the neighbour's waving the cat. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get our neighbour on the podcast one yeah. day. Yeah, well, that'd be, a, that'd be a laugh. A phrase I love, which I'm just going to share to finish, is emotional competency. That's Gabo Marte, who does a lot of work on addiction, says it's developing emotional competency. In situations mm. like that, understanding we've got three different brains, which one is talking, you've got, like, we've talked about that on previous podcasts, but there are different parts of your brain that will give you different emotions and it's you getting control of them all and yeah. knowing knowing yourself and knowing the reality. And, and But that, that's the key thing there is knowing yourself yeah. because something that I always say is like 
different, you know, there are different personalities out there. And I think the worst thing you could do is keep telling yourself you need to be different to the person you are. Yeah, yeah. So like, for example, Keris is a natural worrier. And I'm telling you right now, no matter how much walking in the woods and yoga and whatever is going to change that completely. It's kind of, it's in you. Yeah, it's part yeah, of the yeah. person you are. I'm better at flipping it though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but do you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, so it's almost being like, like accepting the person that you are yeah. and not seeing it as a bad thing. It's not, is it a bad thing that Keris is a worrier? The only time it's a bad thing is when it has a negative impact on your health. Yeah. But it's also one of your amazing qualities because you're very, very caring. You're very selfless. You're always looking out for other people, you know? So it's like, don't straight away think it's a negative thing because it's not. But we must finish. We <laughs> must finish. We've gone over an hour. Good chat, Keris. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Please do subscribe to Fitter Food Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud if you're not already. Word on the street is you can put podcasts on Spotify now as well. Really? So maybe we need to get it on there. Move with the times and all that. Crikey, there's always something to do. There's always something. <laughs> but guys, hope you've enjoyed it. Any questions whatsoever, please get in touch fitter food on facebook instagram don't tweet us not used twitter for a long long time or info at fitterfood.com we are here to help guys so please 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 reach out until next time see ya